Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no way you can argue with the effort and the character of the people in this locker room, okay? And that's why we won, all right? Where's Chandler Jones? We figure out a way to win. We are figuring out a way to win, man. That's what winners do. That's what we do. That's outstanding. That's three. We said, man, six-game season. That's number three, gentlemen. All right, let's go get the next one. Bring it out. It doesn't get any easier, fellas. Okay? Like I said last night, there's no T-shirts and hats in here. Okay? There's no playoff clinches that have been done yet. We got a lot of work ahead. And next week is going to be hard as hell in New England. And I know you guys are open to challenge. But we talked last night about this being a 15-round heavyweight going toe-to-toe fight. We talked about playing for four quarters. We talked about being physical. We talked about all three phases making an impact. And all three phases made an impact today. Offense, defense, and special teams. No bigger, though. Well, just another boring Sunday in the National Football League. You know, most of the games, not really all that interesting. And then maybe there's one worth talking. No, this is one of those days. And Miles and I were talking about this before the show began. I used to say this far more often than I have recently. We're going to need a bigger show. Today is a day that we definitely need a larger show. Maybe we'll just keep going. What are they going to do? We'll just keep going. We'll just keep talking about stuff. The show's PFT Live. Presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to our audience on Peacock, Sirius XM85, Sky Sports NFL. Monday is a day that we are on delay, but the folks there waiting patiently. And if you're hearing and seeing, you're no longer waiting. Hello, welcome in, and also podcast, whatever, wherever, however. Miles, good morning. I don't know that morning. I slept morning. very much last night. I don't know how much you slept. Adrenaline from all the football stuff all the way through until the end of the game. Nice little controversy to end the game. One of those things that has people talking and thinking and complaining and we'll be talking about that over the course of the next two hours so fun day 
to talk football, unless you're a fan of the various teams that lost, and those folks probably aren't watching anyway. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, Mike, I, I saw a meme yesterday on Twitter. It was the guy, the one where, you know, you got the woman and she's in bed with her gentleman friend and she's thinking, gosh, she's kind of probably thinking about. about other girls. Oh, what? Okay. I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. I was just yeah. going down a path that made me a little concerned that that's all. I it's a family <laughs> like show. I, I I still have more F's to give than you, so I'm not gonna you know mess up my money in like the first five minutes of the show. So I yeah I, I was gonna be okay, but anyway you know he, she's thinking he's probably thinking about other girls and you know he's lying there and the thought bubble is why in the world would the Patriots lateral in that situation? And frankly, that's kind of the way I went to sleep last night in the you know few hours of sleep that I got. Not that there was somebody else in the room but that that's just you know you you think about all these like why would you do that what are you doing of that all is the... just one of the weirdest things man oh man and and if if we were to be told yesterday that we're going into the weekend because every team plays there were three games saturday bulk of the games yesterday and one game tonight and thursday any all 32 teams give me the team least likely no, most likely to do what happened yesterday. I screwed up my own thing. Not as badly as the Patriots did. But my point <laughs> is, the Patriots would have been the very last team yes. that we would have picked to have that kind of a breakdown. Because we've heard for 20-plus years how Bill Belichick coaches his team and how right. obsessive he is about situational football. And... Right. Do your job, right? All the cliches that have become baked into the Patriot way. Another one, the Patriot way. It got turned on its head in one of the most memorable ways possible. We're in the studio doing, you know, a live TV show. And I think it was during a break that this happened. And I thought, Miles, that the Patriots were actually trailing and the score bug was wrong. Because that's the only explanation for this. The time has expired. It's tied up. You take it to overtime. You don't try to do the Stanford band play in a tie game. When have we ever seen anyone attempt a Stanford band play in a tie game? It doesn't happen. Maybe one lateral if you know you've got it clear There's an opening like the first lateral that sparked that. No big deal. I can live with that. That's a safe one. But you don't start doing the desperate playground, throwing the ball all over the place in a tie game. And again, of the 32 teams in the NFL, the least likely to be responsible for that mess yesterday that may keep the Patriots out of the playoffs. This isn't a September gaffe. This is a crunch time home stretch winner go home almost situation where you go from being seven or six depending upon the status of tiebreakers to the dreaded final column where you're in the hunt and the patriots are going to go big game hunting the next few weeks because they've got some tough ones coming up so couldn't believe it still don't believe it even as i see it I don't believe it. I can't imagine how Patriots fans feel today, Miles. I I am, am still stunned 12 hours later by what happened.
Oh, me too. And, and, you know, it's funny, Mike, because you say the team the least likely to do that is probably the Patriots. You know, you think in your mind. And the team most likely to make a gaffe like that, probably the Raiders. I mean, this is a team that we just saw last week get beat by two-day Baker Mayfield with the Los Angeles Rams. They lost to Jeff Saturday's Colts in the first game of Jeff Saturday's interim head coaching career, which, by the way, that's going to come to an end pretty soon. So, I mean, if we're thinking about teams and how these things happen. Jeff Saturday like all the catching things, strays. I mean, come on. I, that's not really a it's stray. Not stray. You, it's, it's not, not a stray. stray. That was a direct hit. I took game, man. I'm sorry. And we'll talk about that game later in the show, but – that's My why I say goodness. it's a stray. I mean, that's seg- that's that's like segment five <laughs> material. But but go ahead. Sorry. No, but, you know, it's just just the cacophony of errors and things that have to happen on that play in order for Chandler Jones to be able to make up for actually missing the tackle on Ramondre Stevens. If we play that thing again. You can see that at the beginning of the play, and Vic Tafer of The Athletic and Adam Hill of uh, the Las Vegas Review Journal pointed this out. At the beginning of it, Chandler Jones misses the tackle on Stevenson. And frankly, Stevenson should not have put the ball in harm's way right there when he go- does it to Jacoby Myers because there's still Patriot, or excuse me, black jerseys around him from the Raiders. But if, if Chandler Jones makes the tackle at the beginning of the play, then we don't have that. We just go to overtime like it's supposed to, right? If Steve, like right there, if Stevenson just goes down at some point, then like he's supposed to do, then we don't have that. We go to overtime. If Myers just, you know, kind of looks around and does whatever he does, then we just go to overtime, right? If Mac Jones makes the most improbable tackle of his life, and God love him, he says after the game that I got to make that tackle, I got to make that play. Buddy, you had nothing to do with that. I mean, you were a victim here of the crime, honestly, because at that point, when you've got a man in Chandler Jones who is paid to bring you down and he's got the ball and you don't expect him to have the ball, I mean, you have very, very little shot in the world of tackling him, right? It it just... It's crazy how many things had to go exactly right for the Raiders and exactly wrong for the Patriots for that to happen. But lo and behold, man, football. Gotta love it. Yeah, this isn't Ben Roethlisberger taking down Nick Harper when Roethlisberger is four or five inches taller and probably 40 pounds heavier in that 2005 playoff game where he saved the season for the Steelers. This is basic physics. This is Mac Jones getting steamrolled by a much larger person. He had no chance. And he did what he had to do. At least he didn't, like, curl up like a pill bug like maybe other quarterbacks would be tempted to do, although that would have been the wise option because it's not like you're going to bring him down. And, you know, I thought of something because I agree with you. Ramondre Stevenson never should have flipped it in the first place. It wasn't as egregious. It wasn't as egregious. And he saw an opening there. It wasn't the I'm going to throw it backyard style. But I just wonder whether the fact that he did that caused the brain to short circuit of Jacoby Myers and to make him think maybe we are losing. Why do you do this? Maybe we are losing. I better get rid of it too. Let's get some insight, both from the man ultimately responsible for everything that happens on the field for the Patriots, head coach Bill Belichick, and Jacoby Myers, the guy who probably probably wishes he wasn't on the flight back to Boston after last night's game. Here they are. We made a mistake on, you know, played it where talked about situational football we talk about it every week 
but we obviously we've got to do a better job playing situational football. I saw, uh, I thought I saw Mac open. I didn't see Chandler Jones at the time. I just thought he was open, tried to get to him, and let him try to make a play with it. But the score was tied, so like I said, I should just go down for it. It ain't even about the money, you know what I'm saying? Once you give it to me, I'm smart enough to know the score was tied and to go down with it, you know what I'm saying? So. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Look, I... I, I, what can you say? What else can be said by anyone in that situation? And it occurred to me last night that remember when this whole Patriots dynasty got started back in the 2001 postseason. It began via the tuck rule. Raiders, Mm -hmm. Patriots. That was the birth of it. Yes, they had to go beat the Steelers the next week. I was actually at that game. I didn't expect the Patriots to win. They did. Then they had to go beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. I didn't expect the Patriots to win. They did. But it all started with the controversy of the tuck rule. I make that point, Miles, because if that was the dawn of the Patriot era, yesterday may have been the curtain falling. Now, it's been, it's been starting on its way down. 2019. Right, they make yeah. it to the playoffs. They lose in ugly fashion to the Titans. Tom Brady's not happy. Tom Brady leaves. 2020, no playoffs. 2021, they get to the playoffs and they get their asses kicked by the Buffalo Bills, 47 to 17. Then this year, they're trying. They're scratching. They're clawing. The offense, the, from the Josh McDaniels to Matt Patricia slash Joe Judge Frankenstein monster that clearly isn't working. Mac Jones having a temper tantrum every game, justifiably because of the crap show that they are offensively. And then you have that moment, which is antithetical to everything about the Patriot way. And Coach Dungey made this point last night. When Bill Belichick is so involved in the offense, he isn't able to coach the rest of the team the way he he would. He isn't able to coach these points that we just assume are a given, like don't break out into a Stanford band play in a tie game with no time remaining on the clock in the fourth quarter. I, I can't help but think, and there was already chatter. Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston was already making this point that the end of the road could be coming for Bill Belichick, and it seems incomprehensible. But I know Tom well enough to know he wouldn't throw that out there recklessly, not a hot, hot take artist, and I also know he's not getting a whole lot of pushback when he says these things. And I'm, I'm very curious to see, Miles, if when the season ends, if a David Tepper or some other owner who is looking for a new coach decides to make a phone call to Robert Kraft and say, hey, what would it take to get Bill Belichick? Probably a lot less than it would have taken a year or two ago. And maybe that's the domino that starts the process of Belichick out. Because you're not going to fire the guy. Because somebody else is going to hire him like that and say, I'll take, I'll take Bill Belichick diminished over whoever else is out there. But... I, oh, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like years from now, months from now, maybe even weeks from now, we're going to point to that play as the moment the curtain fell on the Patriot way. 
Oh, I think it is poetic when you put it like that, you know, where it's the tuck rule and then it, that comes against the Raiders. And then obviously this ridiculously inexplicable play that also comes uh, against the Raiders. And look, I mean, you were kind of making this point a long time ago, right? Before the season started and I was pushing back against you. And I thought that there was reason to do that because it's Bill Belichick. But when you see the way that this season has gone, and you see the way that the Matt Patricia Joe Judge thing has gone, which frankly is the way that everybody expected it to. And we would have lambasted it even more had it not been Bill Belichick that was doing it. And even though I I kind of love the Mac Jones like cussing out his offensive play caller thing. It's very unbecoming, I think, for a quarterback to do that while he's on the field. And I don't think that there are very many other quarterbacks in the league and in the history of the National Football League that would be getting away with this like he's doing it. I mean, think about if, I don't know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes were doing that a couple years ago. Like, What would we be saying? Regardless, this thing right now is really, really off, you know? And Bill Belichick is not usually one that's just going to say, you know... It's not going to necessarily just put it on himself. You know, he usually does say, I'm the one who's responsible for all of this. And obviously I didn't see all of the press conference we had last night, but the, we made critical mistakes and it's just say, we made a mistake on the play. That's him passing the buck in a way that you don't necessarily see too often. And it's just one of those plays where it's like, man, I'm not, I'm not taking accountability for this because I didn't coach that. And I would never coach that. And in some ways I don't really blame him for it. But it, it's a weird situation now with Bill Belichick and a team that does not look like a Belichick team. It's, does, it just doesn't look well coached. They're not executing the way you expect. I, I don't know if that means it's going to be the end of him in New England soon, but it, it wouldn't surprise me now because of the way things have gone. Yeah, that kind of acceptance. We just made a mistake. Well, those are mistakes that he would never tolerate in the past, and they just wouldn't right. make those mistakes. There are mistakes that can be avoided, and there are mistakes that can't be avoided. And Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach, said something several weeks ago that I think makes a ton of sense. Like, why am I going to get mad at somebody who's just trying? Like, yeah. he's not trying to lose the game. He's trying. But there's a line that you don't want to cross in your effort to try to win the game. You don't want to do something that you know you shouldn't do and that falls on the wrong I don't know where the line is but what we saw yesterday clearly falls on the wrong side of effort versus what the hell are you thinking you should never ever 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 do that and I I thought of something else too while we're talking about this the notion that Bill O'Brien is coming back to New England after the season that's something, it's maybe been four weeks ago, Chris Sims started to hear it. Others have heard it. I poked around a little bit on it, and I wasn't able to get an answer one way or the other. And I can't help but think that the attitude is, well, yeah, Bill Belichick is going to come out and maybe try to bring him back if he's still here. I, I can't help but think that mm. the impending return of Bill O'Brien to New England is premised on Bill Belichick still being there. Let's cross that bridge first. Not that he's not going to be, but I think this whole Bill O'Brien thing is premature because it presupposes that there isn't going to be a massive change at the end of the road. They still got three games left. They could still make the playoffs. They could still win the Super Bowl in theory. But I just feel like yesterday that was the curtain falling and it's going to be very difficult 
to to pull the curtain back up after what happened yesterday. It's going to be very difficult to get past that, especially when, as you've sensed, there's a different Belichick attitude. It's kind of just kind of an acceptance. Oh, well, stuff happens. Oh, well, we got three games left. Yeah, they're going to be tough. Oh, well, we're going to try. But, you know, more mistakes may happen. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Got some tough games. Got to go to Buffalo. You know how it is there. So it it creates we're three weeks away from whatever is going to happen when the season ends and the teams that don't make it start making changes. You have to put the Patriots for the first time in a very long time in that category of I don't know what's going to happen when the season ends yeah. if they don't make it to the playoffs. But Mike, even if they do make it to the playoffs, you know, what do we really think that the Patriots can go into, you know, Kansas City, Buffalo, or Cincinnati, let's say, in one of those teams that would probably be the the two or the three seed if the Patriots were to make it and beat that team in a postseason game? No. I don't. No. You're not no, you're it not, just delays it. My point is my, my point is you're not gonna you're not gonna have a major change three weeks from today if you're still alive. Okay. Ma- yeah, maybe, the, maybe, maybe, maybe four weeks. <laughs> right, right. It may be four weeks. It, it could yeah. be. Or, but, but you're you're right. And it depends on what happens. If it's forty-seven seventeen again, more likely. If it's twenty-seven twenty-four and they're in it late, then maybe you think, okay, we'll, we'll we'll just we'll kick the can another year. Bring back Bill O'Brien. Let's see if we can turn Mac Jones around. I just I can't believe I'm saying this, but. I went into the Cardinals game last Monday night thinking if they lose this, then this stuff Tom Curran's been saying, it may be worth amplifying. It may be worth legitimizing. Not that it needed to be legitimized by me. It was already legitimate. But it was just kind of just sitting there in plain sight. Nobody was really talking about it. I think now it's time to say this could be it for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It could be time for irreconcilable differences. It could be time for a mutual. Remember that was kind of in vogue eight, nine years ago. Mutual parting. Nobody got fired anymore. It was all mutual partings. Right. I'm going to quit with these. I've been doing. I've, 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 ex- I've exhausted my allotment. I had a. It's like when you have a budget and you've got, you've got money left over and year end is coming. I had a lot of air quotes left in my budget for 2022, so I'm going to use them all over the course of the remainder of the show, um, and the next couple of weeks. Another parallel. Back to the tuck rule game. A bad call, potentially. I don't know what you think about this, but Keelan Cole, and and this is all happening. We're in the studio. You know, as we're in the studio doing Football Night in America, there's a, a big wall of the remaining games that are on. So any chance that I get, you're turning over and you're you're like, oh, what's going on in the game? And the touchdown happened. The th- 30-yard pass from Derek Carr to Could have used the air quotes again. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. It's true. And it was an incredible catch. And James Kaminsky is in the studio, who's a big Jets fan. He's he's doing his best to restrain himself because we're doing a live TV show. And it's like, okay, it's a touchdown. Here we go. 24-24. We're headed overtime unless something really stupid and goofy and unexpected happens. But we've already covered that ground. Let's watch the replay. And... There's an overhead angle where, to me, and again, clear and obvious, and I'm one of the proponents, Miles, that the rules analysts on TV don't use it enough. 
The league office screws it up at times. They reofficiate the play from scratch. That's not what it's supposed to be. It's 50 drunks in a bar. We've been there and we've done that over and over again. It has to be something that people would look at and say, okay, that's, that's just a bad call. That whether you're objective, whether you're partisan, if you're fair-minded, you look at it and you say, that needs to be fixed. Do we have the overhead? This is the key angle. We don't have it. Trust me on this, and you'll find it on social media or elsewhere. Probably have links to it at PFT. But there's one angle from above that you can see, and it looks like foot. Front end of the foot is on the white. There's some still images. Getty has one. We used it for our story last night about the pool report from Walt Anderson, the senior VP of officiating. It sure looks like the foot is on the white. And, Miles, this is a reality, and this gets back to – and there's a certain irony here because Bill Belichick – is one of the ones who has been pushing for this. The cameras, more cameras, more cameras, more cameras. Come on, guys, more cameras. You got the money. You can afford it. And there it is. There it is. That's the one I'm talking about. Thank you. Well done. Look at that. That's it. Look, clear and obvious. 50 drunks in a bar. That moment there. That's all I need to see. The foot is on the line, people. What more do you need to see? Miles, have I lost my mind? That's it. I mean, unless... Unless I'm taking crazy pills, too, and, you know, that's the effect that you've had on me. I mean, it, it looked pretty clear and obvious Boom. when you see this angle. It's on the white that, line. Yeah, that, that the foot is on the white. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, I'm texting my buddies during the game, and I'm like, I don't know if that was a catch initially. And I think what the official's looking at probably is to see whether or not he's got control uh, in Keelan Cole. And so I, I get that part of it, and he does have control, which is great. I mean, it is a good reeling in of the ball but i don't think it's a catch because you can see his foot going out of bounds right there and i think that that angle to me is clear and obvious and walt anderson in the pool report said that they had access to it and it wasn't clear and obvious and it's like well wait a minute what's i didn't what are we looking at here i don't i don't really understand the explanation you know i I really don't and it's also funny to me when bill belichick gets asked about and he says well is there a pool report then that there you go yeah so yeah i don't know and and this is what the league does when something like this comes up there's a pool report walt anderson's available they ask him about it he said the evidence wasn't clear and obvious well of course not but of, of course, yes, we, we, we don't think that you said, oh, it is clear and obvious, but let's just screw the Patriots. Of course, you came to that conclusion. How did you come to that conclusion when the rest of us look at that and say it looks clear and obvious? I mean, this is the first time that I can recall, because usually what happens, Miles, is they'll overturn a ruling on the field when it's not clear and obvious, when it appears that they have reofficiated from scratch. This mm-hmm. is the first time I can remember where it's objectively clear and obvious and they decided it wasn't. That's what surprises me about it. And the other point right. is this. We were talking about this in the, in the uh, control room after the uh, – or in the, in the viewing room watching the Giants-Commanders game last night after the dust settled on this. The idea that if this had been the NBC Sunday night game as it was originally supposed to be, what would we have? We would have had pylon cameras present there would have been more cameras overall there would have been more angles can you imagine that down the line pylon camera and you see keelan cole's foot clearly hitting the white i mean if it's clear from above it's going to be damn clear from below that that foot's on the white so why why aren't there i i don't i've never priced pylon cameras i haven't had a need to go out and buy pylon cameras 
I can't imagine, based upon how cheap all other technologies currently are. I remember when the first calculator came out. The first little pocket calculator was like a hundred bucks back in 1972. Please go ahead and play the piano. But, <laughs> but like that stuff is so cheap now. And even if it isn't cheap, you're talking about a multi-billion-dollar operation that has a very strong interest in getting this stuff right. But the problem ultimately is. They are cheap. They collectively. And I'm sorry. Go ahead and get mad at me. Go ahead and complain about me Christmas week. Try to get me in trouble. I don't care. You're all too cheap. You're rolling in dough. You're Scrooge McDuck doing the header into the pile of gold coins. And you won't pay for the cheapest stuff that will help enhance the integrity of the game, that will help enhance the officiating of the game, that will help enhance public confidence in the legitimacy of the wagers they're making on your game? Are you kidding me? That's the wake-up call they need to have. And, Miles, it's not going to happen until Congress is chasing them around, until a prosecutor is indicting people, until an agency is created that has oversight of the NFL. That's when they're going to suddenly have their epiphany. Now, they've gotten it over this whole fake injury thing. They realize we, we can't tolerate fake injuries that undermine the integrity of the game. We can't do anything there because it's going to look badly on us. Fine. Take that mindset. When I heard that they have that mindset, I said, good. Take it and apply yeah. it to other things like officiating. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Look, I mean, there's there's too many bad calls, I think, on a week-to-week basis at this point where you're saying, man, what in the world is going on? And you're right. I mean, pylon cam would have been a definitive angle on that. And so, you know, we would have been able to see exactly whether or not the foot was inbounds or out of bounds. And I just cannot imagine that investing in pylon cams would be all that much for every single broadcast that there is. I mean, I got 20 bucks. I'm kicking my 20. Here NFL, here's my contribution. I'll send it in. Well, we're all happily pay 20 bucks. And really, relative to yourself, relative to my relative to my net worth. Right. Let's extrapolate. And I, we, don't even, we don't even have to go all the way to Rob Walton. We don't have to go to David Tepper. Just run-of-the-mill average owner. This $20 percentage-wise of what I have. Take that. Take your 20 and, and state-of-the-art pylon cameras in every stadium. Every pylon is going to be popping with cameras. It's going to be like a fly's eye. There's going to be so many cameras on that pylon. Come on. Sorry. Mike is telling yeah. us all, everybody, that he wipes his ass with $20. And so do the other owners. <laughs> there and it that's is. what they should be I'm gonna, doing. I'm going to so, put my $20 <laughs> back in my pocket lest I forget it. All right. <laughs> I need that $20. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyway, you were saying something before I rudely interrupted you, as I often do. Well, I don't even remember what it was now. But, uh, yeah, we need more pylon cams is the answer there. Okay. And I felt like that was clear and obvious. Yes. So there we go. Okay. Chargers – Titans, it's clear and obvious that the Titans currently are ass. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it all dates back to I, – I, I don't want to be facetious about it. It all dates back to the aftermath of that Packers game. Todd Downing, drinking on the plane, drinking on the bus, DUI on the way home. They haven't won a game since then. That kind of knocked them cockeyed. And then you throw in the John Robinson firing, and I thought, hey, okay, here we go. Mike Vrabel. He's the man in charge now. He's the guy. This is, this is good. This is going to buoy 
the franchise. And I don't know. I think he's gonna he's gonna he and Bill Belichick are gonna have plenty of time to hang out and talk football after the season, potentially the way this thing's going for the Titans, because they blow their opportunity to strengthen their grip on the AFC South. We're gonna talk coming up about what the Jaguars did, but the Titans are suddenly in in grave danger. Is there another kind in the AFC South after blowing it to the Chargers? And I got to give the Chargers credit. They're now the yeah. sixth seed. They're eight and six, and, and, and they are becoming the team that we thought they were going to be all year long. Better late than never. And they're making their late charge while there's time to get in. I always hate it when there's a team that starts off so poorly and they finally find their groove, but it's too late. They've had too many losses. They can't find a path to the postseason. Like the Lions may not get a path, no matter what they're doing down the stretch. But the Chargers are getting there, and they keep their guys healthy. And you got Justin Herbert doing what he's doing. That ball he threw to Mike Williams to set up the game-winning field goal, what in the hell was that? He's not open. That is Justin Herbert saying, I don't care that he's not open. I'm going to get it to him anyway. While I am running toward the sideline and I am firing what Sims would call a piss missile, and it's right on the money, and it's effortless. What is that? What is that? And it's like, when it happened, it's like, wait a minute. He threw that. Wait a minute. He caught that. Wait a minute. He's in bounds. How did that happen? That's the weapon you have in Justin Herbert, and they finally have realized they need to unleash him all the time, Miles. Well, I don't think that they've realized that watching that entire game, but, you know, well, I mean, you, you watch that Maybe Maybe in that play. moment they did. Well, they needed Justin Herbert to do incredible Justin Herbert things, and Justin Herbert did them. I mean, there are only a few guys that I can think of off the top of my head that would have ever been able to make that play. I mean, Aaron Rodgers a few years ago, I don't even know if he could do it right now, man. I mean, it kind of reminds me of that that throw he had to Jared Cook. Yes. I think that was in a playoff Sideline, yes, Cowboys. Yeah. yeah. The first yeah. thing I thought of when you said that was the throw to Jared Cook. Yes, exactly. I mean, that, it's, it's one of those kinds of throws, right? Mahomes can do that. Josh Allen can do that. I don't think there's anybody else that can do that, you know? And when you see Herbert do those kinds of things, it's like, goodness, I wish that they would just let him be great more often, you know? But those are the kinds of things that you want to see from a quarterback who's in his third year and who's ascending, right? You want to make him, you want to see him make those kinds of critical plays that really elevate you to winning ball games. And when you've got receivers like a Mike Williams, like a Keenan Allen, it's why I get frustrated when I watch this offense, and so often the ball is either thrown at or behind the line of scrimmage, right? You have third down, and you're in kind of a four-minute offense situation as they were yesterday, and you have a chance to effectively kind of end the game with the first down. You end up throwing a screen pass to Austin Eckler, and he gets a few yards, and you punt it back to the Titans, and they go down the field, and they tie the game. It's like if you're going to try to win the game, then try to win the game. You know, but throw something either at or beyond the sticks to freaking Mike Williams or Keenan Allen. I just, it drives me nuts watching this offense, man, because you see then when Justin Herbert gets a chance to do special things and he does things like that, it's like, well, why aren't you doing that before? And obviously you're not going to, you know, throw piss missiles or like that every single time, but it's just give him a chance to do what he can do and let that man be great because he wants to be. He's got the ability to do it. Just sometimes they're just they're, they're they're holding them back a little too much. I feel like, man. Well, and I, I think the reality is, and there's a balance because when you have a great quarterback, you don't want to rely excessively on the quarterback to just go out 
and make magic. It's one of the points that Sims made, and I think it was right on the money. I never thought of it this way. In all the years of watching football and all the years of talking about it, the idea that when Dak Prescott got hurt and Cooper Rush comes in, and Mike McCarthy, the coach of the Cowboys, made the comment along the lines of, we have to coach smarter. And he didn't really mean it that way, like we were coaching dumb. But it was, we have to really work to get more out of the offense when we have a quarterback who is physically less gifted than our starter. Why aren't you doing that anyway, is Sim's point. You should be doing that anyway. You shouldn't just rely on a great quarterback to go out and save your ass every week. We don't need to put in the extra work. We don't need to be ultra-creative with the plays we're coming up with. So I agree with that. But I also think you shouldn't overcoach a great natural talent that at times you just say, go do your thing. And I think that's the key. You want to coach him to go do his thing. And I say that, and we're going to talk about it later. I talked to Patrick Mahomes after the game yesterday, and I'm starting to have a better understanding of how the Chiefs have found this sweet spot where Mm -hmm. they coach him, but at a certain point they know this guy's just going to go do his thing. So let's coach him to do his thing. That's what the Chargers need to do. And maybe they'll start to figure that out. Coach Justin Herbert with the mindset of not – got to – pick plays, coach him to do his thing. Find opportunities where he just goes out and plays and makes throws like that. And if they do that, that's a guy I want to see in the playoffs. That's a guy I want to see going toe-to-toe with Mahomes, with Josh Allen, with Joe Burrow. That's a guy who can finally fulfill his his whole potential. And you know what? As you see him, you know, he's, he's kind of a quiet, shy, reserved guy. Right. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But maybe, maybe he starts to assert himself a little bit more. Maybe that throw from yesterday is the thing that allows him to go into somebody. Joe Lombardi. You know, he's very deferential to the structure. I got no, again, I got no problem with that. At some point, you got to go and you got to start turning tables over and saying, guys, do we want to win football games or not? Look at what I can do. Here's the film. Watch this play. Watch this play. Watch this play. Why don't you let me do why don't you let me do it? Well, can we take the training wheels off the bike now? So I just think that the Chargers need to embrace him for the full 60 minutes and work in these plays where he just it's just go do your thing. Just do your thing. Throw it to whoever you think is open because we trust that you have the ability to thread that needle while you're running toward the sideline in a game that's tied with our playoff hopes on the line. You're not going to be flustered. You're not gonna you're not gonna freak out. You're just gonna deliver. They they need to just Fully embrace it. That's what, what drives me crazy about it. I think it drives you crazy, too. They need to fully embrace what Justin Herbert can do. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy who's usually poised, composed. You know he can make every throw on a football field. And so that's why, to me, it's, it's, it's the strategy. It's the chess match. It's how do you really make sure that you are in the best position to win? Now, they also need to run the ball better to open things up probably a little bit more. They don't run the ball very well. I mean, they have Austin Eckler, and some of those things are on the uh, the offensive line, and they're missing Rayshon Slater. I, I understand all those different things, and you know, that's sometimes the pushback I get when people when I say like I don't understand why they're throwing so many balls at or beyond the or behind the line of scrimmage, and people are like, well, their offensive line is this, their offensive line is that. And it's like, yeah, I know, but there are still ways where you can move the ball and you can throw the ball to the sticks when it's third and ten. Yeah, you know, I'm just. If it's a four-minute offense situation and you're going to throw it anyway, throw the ball to the sticks, man. I mean, I just that that to me is what drives me nuts about watching that offense. It's just you you 
you have to be able to strategically know how to use your pieces and personnel. And I feel like they don't maximize it at the right times. And so that that's what drives me nuts. Meanwhile, the Titans really are in trouble, and I have a feeling Week 18 Sunday Night yeah. Football is going to be Titans at the Jaguars for the AFC South Championship. We'll talk coming up about what the Jaguars managed to do yesterday. Jags fans, we are going to give you plenty of, of attention. We are going to properly <laughs> distribute accolades for the win over the Dallas Cowboys, but there they are right now. Because what it comes down to is if there's a tie and the Jaguars win that game. All they have to be is where they are right now going into week 18. And yeah. that game is for all the marbles because if they beat the Titans and they finish in a tie, they win the division because they will have completed the head-to-head sweep because they just beat them 36-22 to eight days ago. All right, the Lions, I mentioned them earlier. They have now won six of seven. Is that what it is, six of seven? Yes, and they are seven and seven. From losing six of seven – to winning six of seven, they have even their record with a win over the New York Jets. Zach Wilson, not exactly what they had hoped in his return, although the Jets, they had a chance. They had a chance. You know, it came down to, and I, I got to love the guts that Dan Campbell has. We saw the Panay Sewell play to ice the Vikings game on third and seven, the throw. And then we saw fourth and inches, game on the line, down 17-13. It's the, it's the, you know, we say the word all the time. I just feel self-conscious about saying it now. There's a certain title for this. It's the OS-T screen. And, Miles, I don't know if you've ever seen this clip. Kevin Gilbride, the former NFL offensive coordinator and head coach, coordinator of uh, the Giants teams that won a couple of Super Bowls, he used to be part of our afternoon show. And the Vikings used a play like that against the Packers eight, nine years ago. And he was explaining it. And he said they call it the O, excuse my language, Mom, shit screen. And it's like he actually stopped. It didn't just come out of his mouth. He said, oh, excuse my language, Mom. And that's what they call it. That it's everything flows one way. A guy leaks out and all the defensive players, they own it. And off he goes. What a moment to use that. And boom, yeah. Lions take the lead, hold off the Jets, and now they are 7-7. Seven and seven. It's, it's, it's one of the – it's hard to stand out in such a crazy year, but it really is one of the more amazing stories that we've seen this season. Oh, it totally is. And, you know, when you get that vote of confidence that uh, Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes got from ownership – you know, I guess it now is about seven weeks ago because they were one and six. And it was basically like, hey, stick with us. We believe in this process. And now, boom, you're seeing the results. And it's really, really impressive to see what that Detroit Lions team is now doing. I mean, to go to the Meadowlands and defeat the Jets and defeat that defense, especially with that particular play. You know, we talk about Dan Campbell and the stones that he's got. And they go up for it on fourth down a lot. But it's also the play design and the play execution. When you have things like that, and I think Ben Johnson has done as good a job as an offensive coordinator as anybody in the entire National Football League this year, you really, really see the meshing of the personnel 
right, with the scheme and how do we use our guys to be the most effective that they can be in certain situations. I mean, to use Panay Sewell as they did last week and then to have something else that is sort of run off of that in a critical situation this week, right, where you're getting guys going in motion and it's fourth down and inches, these things all roll into one another. So, you know, you see Jared Goff looking right initially, boom, that thing is locked off and he goes back to the left and oh, by the way, there's your tight end and he's just gonna rumble on down the field. The Jets defense is so good that you don't expect to see that happen against them. So to me, the fact that the Detroit Lions are doing what they're doing, it, it really is impressive, even if they don't make it to the postseason. Once upon a time, there was a late season press conference with former Colts coach Jim Mora, the elder, and he was asked about playoffs and he went into his epic playoffs rant. Here's Dan Campbell Trying to win a game. of the seven and seven Lions, who have won plenty of games lately, being asked about the possibility of Detroit making the playoffs. Here he is. It can happen, you know. Just do your job. And, uh, you know, you can't hone in on that. What if we don't? What if we don't? You know, man, what if we don't make this play? Or what if we get? No, you just go make the play. Line up and cut it loose. This is something that I can't quite figure out with Dan Campbell, although I guess it applies yesterday because he was out in the cold. He's always got that red nose of, I was just out in the cold, even when he wasn't just out in the cold. I don't get it, but he always has it. But yesterday he definitely had a reason because he was out in the cold. And Jared Goff, Jared Goff, remember when the narrative used to be can't play in the cold? Not that he threw for 500 yards yesterday. Remember it. I, yeah, I lived it. He couldn't. Well, and, and you know what? It may come down to week 18 – Lions at Packers it may very well be one of them is in and one of them is out as a wild card in the NFC the way things possibly are tracking currently so good news for the Lions very much alive doing their best to steal a spot from the commanders or the Giants those are the two spots that are currently up for grabs and those two teams are going to talk about them coming up in just a little bit but those are the two teams that are still clinging to the final two spots, the Lions may be able to pick one of them off. The Jets now have been picked off. They have slipped into the in-the-hunt column in the AFC, and they've got a short week against the resurgent Jaguars. Here's Zach Wilson after the game yesterday on whether or not he believes he deserves a second start this week. Do you think you played well enough to deserve another start? No, I I think uh, that's not up to me. Right. And uh, for me, I think it comes back to how can I watch this film? How can I improve? And uh, can I keep trying to put our offense in the best situation to win? You know, and I didn't do that today. He's learned. He's learned about what to say and what not to say at a press conference because it was his his defiance a few weeks back that I think greased the skids for him to be benched. Here's the reality. I said this last night on Football Night in America. Still true this morning. Unlikely that Mike White's going to be able to play. Broken rib that needs to calcify. It needs to get sticky. I remember hearing that in reference to Donovan McNabb 15 years or so ago when he had a broken rib. When that rib is fractured, and it tells you how bad the fracture was, you don't want it to become displaced. The rib has to hold. The process, the natural human process of bone healing needs to happen sufficiently so that the rib doesn't come loose and puncture your lung. That's why he couldn't get clearance to play. He wanted to play. He would have signed all the paperwork, went to 10 different doctors, and they all said, you can't play. It is funny. 
I mean, second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion, fifth opinion, keeps going, looking for any doctor, waiting for the one Nick Riviera that's going to say, you can play, and nobody would say it. He was yet, George Carlin used to say, there is the worst doctor in America, and someone has an appointment with him or her tomorrow. So he couldn't find, Mike White couldn't find the guy that would let him play, and and I don't think he's going to find it by Thursday night. My understanding is it's not happening by Thursday night. I don't know that it'll happen by Sunday, but he's week to week. And this week coming up, Thursday night, Jaguars game, unlikely. So it's not whether he deserved it or not, Zach Wilson, for a second start. It's whether or not Mike White's going to be able to play. I mean, it's not. I don't think Zach Wilson played so poorly they're going to trot out Joe Flacco. I think it's going to be Wilson. Right. Yeah. Hey, look, Zach, Zach Wilson made some plays. You know, despite you just kind of giving me the heebie-jeebies with all that rib talk, I think I'm, I'm focused enough to say what I was going to say now. I mean, that, that third and 19 throw that he had toward the end of the game, if you want hope with Zach Wilson, there's your hope, right? I mean, he was able to stand there, find the open man, and deliver an accurate pass that hit him in stride. You get the first down, you keep it moving. The fourth down throw that set up, um, the long field goal attempt. I mean, it's stuff. Yeah, fourth and 18. Here it is. You know, he rolls to his right. He avoids the defender and he finds somebody in the middle of the field, a la kind of Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, this is one of those, you just got to have it. You got to be able to do it if you can do it throws. And he was able to do it. So I think that there was some progress from Zach Wilson, but you still are also seeing some of the things where he's taking sacks that he probably shouldn't take. You know, he's not getting rid of the ball quick enough. He's not seeing the offense. He's not playing within the rhythm and the timing of the offense as we see Mike White do. So there is hope for Zach Wilson. So it's just, he's not at the level, I think, right now that makes the Jets particularly dangerous when it comes to their offense on a consistent down-to-down basis. Well, and look, he had the interception earlier in the game. Right, That was bad. Right at the start of the second half where it's like well that's why that's why he got benched you can't have these moments where you just kind of throw it up for like you completely misread the coverage yes you 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 throw a little floater that someone's gonna have time to come get like you don't you don't throw a pass like that unless you're damn sure there's no one that's gonna come over with a shot at it so that was just one of those yeah okay now we know why he's not playing but but you're right, right he did redeem himself late put them in a position it's, it's, it's outdoors MetLife Stadium 58 yards I know that that uh, Zerline has made some long kicks in his career but that, that's a that's yes. a lot to ask for I mean it, it used to it used to be 40 was a long kick then 50 became a long kick 50 starting to feel automatic now to the point where like a 58 yarder is no longer winging a prayer. Like, well, let's see, let's see if he, let's see if he can get it online. I mean, they all have the leg to do it, and he just wasn't able to get it online, and the Jets lose. And it's 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 not an easy road the rest of the way for them either. Yeah. They need Mike White back. They they need to hope that they can beat the Jaguars. That that the Jaguars are kind of like, and we've seen this a few times this year where a team has one of those emotional wins, and they can't reset quickly enough that happened to the Vikings after the Bills game 40 to 3 they lost to the Cowboys you just have to hope the Jaguars don't come back down to earth and that the Jets can can grind something out because the Jets need this one more I believe than the Jaguars the Jaguars are more alive right now than the Jets not that that's dispositive but in a short week that mindset 
maybe makes a little bit of a difference. We'll find out in only three days. We will. Yeah. And I think you're kind of right. I mean, just based on the way that things have gone with the Titans, you know, and the fact that the Titans offensive personnel is an absolute mess right now. And there are plenty of reasons for that. But, you know, then you see A.J. Brown doing what he's doing in Philadelphia. And you're like, huh, I guess he did used to play for the Titans. And, you know, the Jaguars are surging. The Jets, they're kind of floundering a little bit. We'll see what happens on Thursday night, but it is a big game for, for both teams. And I know, look, the players say they don't peek ahead on the schedule, but the reality is the Titans play this week. They've got the Texans. They should be able to win, although the Texans have become, in a couple of straight losses, a much better team than we had thought they were. But then it's a Thursday night game for the Titans against the Dallas Cowboys, who are, yeah, who knows? The, the, the Dallas Cowboys may feel sufficiently locked into the five seed by then that, that – uh, they may not. They may not even put their best foot forward. They may try to rest some of their guys up. We're getting to a weird point in the year where, you know, it used to be teams that had the one seed and the two seed back when the two seed had a buy attached to it. They would they would call off the dogs and take it easy and rest rest starters. And I still got a few more to use. But um, now you're starting to see like teams get to a spot where we really can't improve our position on this playoff tree. We're kind of locked into this spot so maybe we rest our starters now so it's it's there's some weird dynamics coming up the past few weeks that could influence some of these other playoff races but we shall see let's go ahead and take a break when we return the sunday night game had a controversial ending that will once again as it should renew a push for more more of those 20 dollar bills to be devoted to the officiating function. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.